Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Hey, we're in the Lord's house. Of all the places you could be, you're here, right? And this is not an airline. We know you have many choices on your Sunday morning. The real people know this is the only place to be. Rock Bible Church. Christ-centered, biblically-based, right? Compelling casual community. What's, what's compelling? Compelling ourselves and others to Christ. In casual ways. To worship. Being a community that serves the greater community. Okay, if you're a guest or a visitor, you're off the hook. Don't worry about it. Okay, but the people that have been here and call this home, they hear it pretty much every week, right? Uh, get it down, because we stole it all from Scripture. Borrowed it. Listened to all of it. Wrote it down from Scripture. This is what we're trying to do. Amen? I uh, want to get started this morning. We're going to start uh, Matthew chapter 26, uh, and the next three chapters are long and packed and we're coming up on Easter. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of great stuff in here that Matthew has for us. And so um, we're going we're gonna to invite the ushers forward with Bibles, outlines, pens, so you can grab that stuff and follow along if you like. And then we're going to pray and, uh, and jump into our passage. Jesus has been teaching five chapters now Five chapters he's been teaching since he came into Jerusalem. And I know it might feel a little backwards for you because we did the triumphal entry, the Jesus coming in on the donkey. You know, hey, go find a guy. He's got a donkey. Untie it. Tell him the Lord has need of it. And he, he marches into to Jerusalem. Uh, and then we get the biggest section of Scripture on a single part of Jesus' life. Five chapters of just teaching that we've just gone through as a church. You can find it on the website and the podcast. All of this before we even get to Lord's Supper, the Thursday. He comes in on Sunday. We just got five chapters of great teaching. And now uh, we're getting to where uh, next Sunday we're going to cover Lord's Supper. Uh, middle of chapter 26. And uh, it's, it's about to get really intense uh, and really awesome. So, if you will, pray with me, and, uh, and we'll get started. Lord, uh, thank you for this morning, and thank you for all the opportunities that you give us. I pray, Lord, that you would show us where you wanna, want us to spend our time, spend our mind, spend our heart. Love so much what Heidi prayed this morning. Open our hearts, Lord. To hear you. Open our hearts, Lord, to hear you. If you're here this morning and that's poignant for you, say that yourself to the Lord. Lord, this morning, open my heart. I want to put my heart in the condition where I can receive what you meant for me this morning. And pray, Lord, you would give that to each of us through your word. And pray that you would bless this time, that it would be yours to the benefit of us. Lord, we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 
I hope that church is that way for you. That you recognize it's a corporate gathering of a whole bunch of people and we do stuff together and we share uh, beverages and we share music and we share teaching and that there's a big thing that goes on. But I hope more importantly for you, when you come to church, you understand that there's an individual specific piece just for you. And that that can be possible. Uh, how does God do it? I don't know. It's a pretty amazing but he has something for everybody, always. Amen? So I hope that, that you approach church that way, and I hope that you approach this morning this way. Uh, I think this is a really a pretty great passage. It was, I've been excited all week. Matthew chapter 26, it's, it says after he's taught all these things, and now he's going to go into ramping up to uh, Lord's Supper, Good Friday. We got all the trials and the whole thing, and Peter and... Then we got the crucifixion, we got the Sunday morning, where's the body? We got the last charge to the disciples, it's all coming up. It's a great season for us to be in a gospel, amen? Matthew chapter 26, verse 1, we're just going to do 16 verses this morning at the beginning. Uh, it says, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, teachings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Woo. It's about maybe the fourth time, depending on how you're counting, uh, about the fourth time that he explicitly says, I'm, I'm going to die. Kind of, kind of weird. No matter how many times it said, I can't get over that he knew. And, and he kept stepping toward it. As if this is what he wanted to do. He's stepping into difficult. He's stepping into what us competitive guys would call a loss. And somehow he's, he's going to turn it into a win. In the midst of that, he keeps telling the disciples. Why? Why keep telling the disciples? Any guesses? Because it's, it's important and they're not getting it. They have to be reminded regularly or life moves on. Right? Now, I know that doesn't happen to any of you. Right? Or maybe it does, and that's why you show up every Sunday. Because every Sunday is a reminder where you hear it again. Right? He tells them again, hey, I know we've got Passover coming up in two days, but there's a bigger event, at least for him. The chief priests, verse 3, chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. Any guesses on whether they like Jesus, right? But we're 25 in chapters into you knowing that, right? Uh, scribes, chief priests, Pharisees, Sadducees, anybody who's a religious leader not talked about uh, nicely. Pretty bad picture painted of them, amen? It makes me question my whole industry. <laughs> like, what did I sign up for again? How do you not walk that way? Right, uh, 
they want him gone, the worst kind, right? Uh, they were all too happy to go to the cross with him. And they're trying to figure out how to get him there, right? Cross was actually a Roman way of putting an end to things. And they're so excited about him being done that they'll take it any way they can get it, right? I know for me in sports, I, I say this phrase and I say it to my buddies, I say it to the teams that I coach. I've told my kids this over and over. Uh, a win is a win is a win. However it happened, it doesn't matter, right? And somehow we think it's got to go a certain way and they don't care which way it goes as long as we get rid of, rid of them, right? As long as we get rid of them. Uh, they're at Caiaphas's place uh, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. They're going to be spies. We're going to sneak up on him, right? Just really, really funny. <laughs> um, has anybody ever had good luck sneaking up on God? <laughs> That's funny, folks, by stealth, right? This is the son of man, the Messiah. Like Isaiah told them generations ago that he's coming. You, you're not going to sneak up on him. I just, I don't know, read the Bible and have fun with it when the fun, when the fun stuff happens, okay? Uh, they plotted together, but, verse 5, they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Wait, Scott, I thought you said they wanted him gone at all costs. They did, except they don't want any publicity. They don't want any bad publicity, right? They, they hadn't figured out yet that any press is good press. They thought, you know, during the feast, we do something during the feast, we're going to violate our religion, and the people will know, and we'll lose the people. You know, really for them, this was a battle over people, not over knowing God or getting better spiritually or getting healthy. They just wanted to win the people. It is ironic, though, that they'll do almost whatever it takes until public perception. You know, somebody posts on social media, oh, I don't think that the priest shouldn't have done it that way, right? Not like that's important as opposed to killing someone. But that's okay, because I know our generation doesn't struggle with anything social. Dripping sarcasm. It's my spiritual gift, sarcasm. Uh, verse six. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, perfume, oil, uh, she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Now, I don't know for you, but I know as a teenage boy, when I heard this story, it's like, you poured oil on your head? That's gross. I, what? I would have got mad at her. What'd she do? Different culture, right? How they shower, what they do, how they dress, everything's different. You're dusty. Everybody's got sandals. There's no paved roads, right? And you're, you're few and far between, what real cleanliness looks like for us, right? We just jump in the shower, no big deal. For them, scented oils keeps you hydrated, moisture on the skin, keeps you smelling good, keeps you healthy, protective layer from whatever else is out there. 
so this was like a really great thing. You know, the better it smells, the more expensive it is, right? She poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Verse 8, when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Kind of interesting because uh, do we know which disciple started this argument? Not from this passage. From another passage tells us it was Judas. Uh, in fact, it's Judas that says it in one of the other gospels and, and they make a big deal about pointing out that Judas said uh, Matthew here skips the whole thing. Kind of interesting to me. And then, and then I started having a problem with, wait a minute, is there an S after disciple in that sentence? Wait, more than just Judas. More than just Judas. I think it's easy for us to read about Judas and, and kind of distance ourselves from that one bad apple, right? Everybody's got that one uncle in their family. Except for my family, we don't. But I know most families are. Um, we think, well, there's one in every crowd. That's just the one in every crowd. Um, I don't know about you. I'm starting to feel healthier when I realize we're all that way. It's not just Judas. We all struggle in different ways. I was sitting at a dinner the other night, and the person across the table from me was explaining uh, what they struggle with learning disability. The person next to them started sharing what they struggle with. And it started going around the table. And we all started laughing about how we all have stuff that we struggle with. No one's perfect. And, and we just, to the point where we didn't care like who struggled with what, we're just all broken a little bit by design. Like God made us that way on purpose. Because when we have needs, who fills needs? Others. We have an intrinsic need for other people. God wants us to love our neighbor and love him. That sounds like a pretty good design. Pretty good design. The disciples, plural, I wanted you to see that because they saw it and said, why this waste? More than just him. Uh, hey, you know, we could have done better. This became a stewardship issue for the church. We have this money, how do we spend, you know, that's what gets me at church. And I've been in churches my whole life and listen to church people argue about how money was spent. What a waste. Do you catch the pun? Which is the waste, how it was spent or arguing about it? Well, boy, we get that backwards. Jesus doesn't, he gets it right because he defines Right, amen. For this could have been sold for a large sum of money, given to the poor, but Jesus, say and Jesus, but Jesus, we're gonna contrast it. He's gonna confront this. Aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? Ooh, I thought the issue was how the money was spent or arguing about the money. I said, which two, right? Arguing about the money's worse. Jesus enters a third and trumps both. How the money was spent versus arguing about the money, how the money should have been spent. Neither are as important as the woman. You just violated the woman. 
And Jesus elevates what concept to be more important? People. How brilliant. In the midst of an R, he, he, he just, one sentence, puts them back on track of where they should be. Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. They called it waste. What do you call it? Beautiful. We're going to come back to that in a bit. Uh, For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. There's a change in perception. And pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. I keep reminding you guys, I'm going to be dead right after the Passover. I keep reminding you because you forget. I keep reminding because you keep acting like nothing's about to happen. She's actually listening, paying attention. She's getting me ready. Whoa. Plays into one of my one of my experiments I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I think women are smarter than men. I'm trying to prove it. But right here, it's true for sure. You always have the poor. She's prepared me for burial. Verse 13, truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Wow. What a great statement about her. Yeah? Is that prophecy? Did it just come true? Isn't that weird? Like 2019, we're still talking about this lady. How cool is that? He called it, and then it happened, to teach the disciples a lesson. What are you preparing for? What's the ultimate value? Where are your priorities set? What are you paying attention to? Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas, oh, we finally got him. Boy, I've been dying for us to talk about him because he should have been brought up earlier. He was the one that said, why this waste, right? Okay, well, for those of you who just really needed Judas Iscariot in the passage, Matthew appeases you, right? Matthew doesn't use a whole lot of names throughout his book. Here he does. Uh, Went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? That is so backwards. Because who was he with? And what could Jesus have given him? Compared to what the chief priest can offer? Everything. In fact, what the chief priest can offer him is 30 pieces of silver. That's what they paid him. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. We're going to see the 30 pieces of silver come back later in the passage. Not today. It's probably going to be a couple weeks before we get to it. But it's like uh, Matthew shoots up this arrow. It's going to come down later. I want you to be listening for the 30 pieces of silver when it comes back in a couple weeks. It's kind of interesting. He said, what value can you give me? He's trying to make a trade, Right? We're going to see what Peter gets out of that value trade later on. Uh, But from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. An opportunity? Isn't he looking for trouble? Yeah, he's going to find it. Yeah. 
Uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Let's take a look at this. There's, there's a couple of things that I think we really need to pay attention to on this. Um, at the very end there, it, it says that Judas was seeking an opportunity, right? He sought, seeking an opportunity. And if you think about it quickly and go back to the beginning of our passage today, we have a bunch of stories of people seeking opportunities. Priests gather at the chief priest's house, right? Well, looking for an opportunity in stealth to find him, kill him. They're preparing for something. Then, then we've got this uh, lady, nameless. She was seeking an opportunity too, wasn't she? What'd she want to do? I want to do something beautiful for Jesus. I know. I have some of this alabaster oil. It's about all I have left. I'm going to take that and I'm going to use, I'm going to see if I can find an opportunity. She finds him reclining at, at, at the table and, and takes advantage of it. And we got the disciples seeking an opportunity, aren't they? Hey, hey, uh, Shouldn't we have done this with the money? Seeking an opportunity to elevate themselves or elevate their monetary position. It speaks to the idea that we're always seeking opportunities, aren't we? Yeah, this morning I said, uh, we don't have a problem. We have an opportunity. What is it? Mexico fundraising dinner, right? I phrased it like that on purpose because I knew it was coming. What we, what we have, not just in the Mexico dinner, not just the priests, not just the lady, not just the disciples, and not just Judas, they're all seeking an opportunity to project a legacy. Love what Jesus says about the woman. What, why are you giving her a hard time? What she did was what? What do we call it? Beautiful. And she will be remembered generations from now. As long as the gospel is preached, people will hear about this story. She will have a legacy. Oh, I'm, I'm reading through this, and I read that last section on Judas, and I think to myself, oh, he's got a legacy too, right? And we're antsy to get him in there with the phrase, why this waste, right? Because we know it was him because he was yucky. Right? That's my kids used to always say when they were growing up. Anything that was bad. Yucky, and it's a scary movie. They don't like it. Movies, yucky, daddy. Right? We've got these legacies. The priests have a legacy? Yeah, do the disciples have a legacy? You know, we're, we're kind of confused about the disciples' legacy because they're all over the place, up and down, right? And they're kind of like us. Uh, more importantly, will you have a legacy? Will you have a legacy? How great a prayer. Open my heart to hear from you. Why? Because you want answers right now? Because you want opportunity right now? Because you want to do something right now? You want to be smarter? For what? So you can start investing things. So you can start taking a step towards something. Because you know intrinsically, as much as you have needs of the day or wants of the day, you know there's a bigger thing going on. And when you're gone, what's going to be left after you? 
What will people say? Or that famous phrase, what will they write on your tombstone? <laughs> right? I'm writing my tombstone before I die. Or I'm just going to write it for everybody just because I, then I can have control about what my legacy is going to be, right? Which is no different than how I'm spending every day between now and the time I die. I'm working on my legacy. I want to shape it. What it what's it look like? Um, anybody else working on your legacy? What's his name? We're at church. I asked you a question. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus is working on your legacy. You have an opportunity for legacy. You got an opportunity at legacy. And, and I want to make sure you're clear that that's a little misleading. How's it misleading that you have an opportunity at a legacy? Right? If I say you have an opportunity at a legacy, what's in question? What's in question? It may or may not happen, right? You have an opportunity, but who knows if he'll rise to the occasion. It's like young Padawans, like they could turn to the dark side, right? They might not become a Jedi Knight. Who knows? But I want to make sure you understand the irony and what's really true. Uh, you will have a legacy. The opportunity is that whether it's good or bad. And, and I know... I know some knuckleheads whose legacy not worth talking about, right? Here's the joy. God has given all of us an opportunity at a legacy that's amazing. The people could write the story and it'd be a number one seller to where people would talk about it generations from now. Do you know stories of people in your, in your past, your ancestry, who did great things? And you know stories of knuckleheads in your past. I could compare two grandpas. I won't because I won't make it through the service. When I start comparing, the, I'm going to lose it here. I'm going to start crying, and I'm going to be a, I'm a mess. <coughs> One of them was amazing. One of them ain't worth talking about. Both of them are gone. And all we have is the legacy. How do we prepare for that? How do we look at this opportunity? Uh, one is this. We, we understand and we really pay attention to this, right? That beauty and waste can be mistaken for each other. Beauty and waste can be mistaken for each other. She walks in, alabaster oil. Oh, Jesus, here, let me pour it on your head. This is good. It's medicinal. It smells good. There's all these benefits, and it's expensive. And the disciples step back, scratching their head. Crazy woman. They violate her. They violate Jesus. They call it waste. Jesus stops them. Remember, I said, but Jesus had said, but Jesus said to them, right, in contrast, Wait, what she's done is what? Beauty. And folks, we do it all the time. There's stuff going on around us. We call it waste and it's actual beauty. Opportunities and we pass on by because we don't think there's value there. That's not true. Makes me wonder how many times I've walked past beauty and called it waste. We had a game a while back, our team 
uh, the high school soccer team made the playoffs, and so we have a playoff game, and lights are on, and it's, n- it's nighttime, and there's all this excitement, and the whole thing, kids are all fired up, and, and uh, we're starting the game, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a rough one. Second round, so everybody's good at this point. It could go any way, right? You don't know. Is it going to be beauty or is it going to be waste tonight, right? Uh, and and we're, we're just over like two minutes into the game. Game's barely started, right? Kids are still getting adjusted to sitting on the bench who are off the field. The guys in the field are just starting to get ready. Peyton crosses the ball. Zion puts it in the middle. Jack traps the ball and, and, and just kind of taps it. But he taps it in the direction away from everybody, and it bounces twice, and it's going slow. And everybody's watching to see what happened, and it, it nicks the inside of the post and rolls into the goal. It was the softest, slowest-moving, rolly-high bouncer kind of thing, but it was in a position where no one could get to it, and it goes in. We're, we're two minutes into the game, second round, quarterfinal, NCS playoff match, and we're winning. And the place goes nuts. And as this guy, Jack's running back, he's shaking his head. Just shaking his head. Instead of celebrating. I mean, he's smiling as he's shaking his head because he knows we're winning. But he's shaking his head. Why? Because it was a goofy little play where he scored, right? I should have hit it harder or something like that. Boy, it didn't look that great or whatever. And the guy's on the bench. Right, which is really funny to me. The guys on the bench are giving him the business. They're yelling stuff at him, blah blah blah. Hit it with your purse next time, you know, whatever. Uh, it's not politically correct, but they're sixteen-year-olds. We're trying to train them, right? Which is why I'm there. I'm trying to calm them down and remind them: don't razz him too hard. He's on the field, <laughs> and you're on the bench, <laughs> right? But all this perceived waste. And I turned, uh, we pulled some JV guys up after their season was over to come to the playoffs with them. There's like a bunch of them sitting in a row and they're, they're in their street clothes. They can't go in the game, but they're watching. I said, guys, this is why I, draw, I brought you guys up, to see that. And they're looking at me like, this old man's crazy. I'm like, well, I am crazy, but I'm not old. You know? uh, because I need you to see that. Because... He calmly controlled the ball and placed it where no one can get it. And it looked like it moved really slow. But in the stat books, it was a 50-mile-an-hour rocket. No one will ever know. When they look it up on the Internet and they find the score, it'll look like this kid was so awesome. Two minutes into the game, they couldn't stop him. There was some beauty there, and they were all missing it. We got to learn how to see the beauty in the midst of the waste. What's that phrase? One man's trash is another man's treasure, right? In the midst of the things that you might call waste, it might be that you, uh, you, you pray Heidi's prayer, open my heart, Lord, to hear from you and show me the beauty. Where are you looking for beauty? Because it's everywhere. I love this point because this is a microcosm of what he's about to do. In fact, I told you earlier this morning, he kept walking towards the cross. Even though he knew it, reminded him, I told you maybe the fourth time, depending on how you're counting it, he keeps walking to the cross. Why? Because he sees it as waste? No, he sees the beauty in what everybody else would call waste. And he turned a loss into a win. 
we got to make sure everybody we look at, every, every opportunity that we walk into to see the beauty in it. Our kids, our community, our jobs, our time, our mind, our fears. I mean, there's beauty in fear. Yeah. Keep you safe. When you're afraid of that red hot iron on the stove, that's a good fear. There's beauty in that. There's always beauty. Waste is often perceived. That was the boy's problem. So, uh, one of the questions for number one would be where do you see beauty? Where have you yet to see beauty? Where can you start to see beauty more often? And what have you generally perceived as waste? Very interesting. And see, as we pursue the Lord, uh, there's some things we could get ourselves involved in that people would go, huh? Scratch their head and Jesus say, why are you giving him a hard time? What he's doing is beautiful. Insert Mexico commercial here. Right? Sign up for dinner. Uh, Number two, uh, you will be known for what you prepared. You will be known for what you prepared. Chief priests, well, the priests were at the chief priest's house. Were they preparing? Absolutely. Lady with the oil, the alabaster oil, was she prepared? Absolutely. Did Judas go off and try to prepare? You have many choices in what you will prepare for. You will prepare for something. I love what people say sometimes. I say, hey, how's it going? What are you, what are you working on lately? Nothing. Oh, well, then you'll get it. Truth is, that's not true. Everybody's working on something. Question becomes, what are you working on? Are you working on beauty or are you working on waste? That's kind of interesting, the phrase Jesus uses. It says at the very end, in fact, we just talked about it, separate the sheep from the goats and and the goats on the left because the goats get left. He says to them, depart from me. I never knew you. You invested in waste. I walked by you. I was around you in many, many different ways, the naked, the poor, the sick, the jailed, whatever. There was beauty in right in front of your face and you did nothing about it. So what are you preparing for? Really love uh, verse 13 in this. Truly I say to you, whoever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in her memory. She prepared and was ready when it was time to serve Jesus. What a great thing. Love that... um, we, we've talked about beauty and waste, the contrast, and now the idea that you need to get prepared. I said the, the priests were preparing, right? Was Jesus preparing too? Was Jesus getting ready? Sure was. More than anybody else ever. He's getting ready. Do, do you notice where um, the chief priest was with the priest? When they met, 
to get prepared. I, I, I went over it quickly. Did, did you catch it? They were at his house, but they didn't call it a house. What'd they call it? Started with P and rhymes with Alice. The priest met at the palace, the palace of the chief priest. Wow. That's a misappropriation of funds in there, maybe, huh? I do not live in a palace, <laughs> right? Did you catch where Jesus was? When he met with the disciples and the lady came over and they were reclining at the table in Jalabas, did you catch where he was? Because I read over that quickly. He was at the house of Simon the leper. Oh, the contrast between beauty and perceived waste. Which, boy, you could really switch that around. A palace, whoa, beautiful. We're going to the leper's house? You know what you can catch there, right? A lot of people would say, a lot of extravagant spending in a palace. What a waste. And to care for someone with true needs, how beautiful. See, it really is a question of what are you preparing for? And, and can, we, can we just like tangent, rabbit trail, just a second? Like, who's your husband going to be? For those that don't have them yet, are you preparing for that? Sorry, not sorry for going pastor for a second. I work with men and I call them to authentic manhood and I do it every week and we've done it the whole life of this church and I will continue to do it. And it is really hard sometimes to counter the message and the crap and the advertisement of everything in, in our culture. And I can fight that. Here's what I can't compete with. God's beautiful creation that's called a woman who settles for less. Because men are lazy. And if you don't make them work for it, they'll do the minimum. Women, make them work. Prepare for a great husband, a king, a guy who knows what to do, what to prepare for, sees beauty in the waste, and is taking an opportunity at legacy. And guys do the same. Don't settle for a woman who's doing half effort. Aim here. Right? Aim here. Because if you aim for nothing, Nick, you hit it every time. You hit it every time. What are you preparing for? Uh, by, by the way, the, th the same is true for your jobs, your training, your children, your free time, your vacation, your finances. God came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. And he's given you an opportunity at legacy. It's true in myriad of ways. Amen? You just got to look for the beauty, expect the beauty, and then only settle for beauty. Okay? And I'm not look, talking about outward appearance, okay? Because I have no ground to stand on, on that one. Um, lastly, beware of trading perceived value. 
beware of trading perceived value. This idea that I think it looks like waste right now, so I'm going to trade it away for something else. And then we find out later God had a bigger thing going on and you spun your wheels because you were impatient for lack of vision for the long term. Isn't that Judas? What will you give me if I turn them over to you? 30 pieces of silver? Sounds great. Let me go figure out a plot and I'll get them to you. And it's going to happen within a couple hours. In fact, the discussion next week for you at the Last Supper, Matthew takes a very different look at it than some of the other Gospels. It's Jesus saying, somebody's going to betray me. And he spends time on it. We can trade things that are beautiful for waste. Do you know that every minute, every moment that God gives you is beautiful? How do you spend it? What do you spend it on? Every talent, every gift, every relationship, every opportunity that God puts in your place says all good things come from heaven above, from the Father of lights, right? In whom there is no shifting shadow. He doesn't change. He only does good. All of those things are beautiful in your life. Don't trade them away. You have the opportunity to invest, speak up, show up, stay longer than most, give a little more than most, and make a difference. But you got to go. You got to get out there. You got to do what it takes. You got to prepare. You got to try. You got to make it on the field rather than sitting on the bench. Work to get yourself on the field. I have a confession to make this morning. It's not a true confession. Me likes junk food. Fast food. Me likes the drive-through. I know I'm, I know it's not good for me. I've watched some of those nutrition movies that make me sick and the whole thing and realized that I'm killing myself slowly. But Lord, forgive me. I see the beauty in junk food. There's a drive-through at one of the places in town. His name will be withheld to protect the guilty. But you pull up to the window to order, and they got all these lights and options and inexpensive prices, tasty, sugar and fat and all the other good stuff. And you order. They tell you how much it's going to cost. At the next window, please. And, and you pull forward, and then you have to make this hard left. And there's this really long driveway that's the length of the whole establishment. And I've always thought it's funny. Like, depending on how fast you need to be, right? That's what they call it, fast food, because you're in a hurry. If you could sit down, you'd go somewhere else, right? You call it fast food, but I get up to that window and I'm ordering all the lights and the fun, and the, but I never know what's around the corner. And there have been times like you order in the next window, please, and I go to turn the corner, and it's like, nobody's there. The Lord loves me. <laughs> all the way up to the window. Here's my credit card. Here's my food. And within moments, 
delicious death, <laughs> right? There's other times where you order and you're like, oh, man, I just got to get this food. I'm so hungry. And you turn the cor Oh, six cars. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. We never know what's around the corner. We never know how long it's going to take. How long you must wait. One of my favorite lines out of Isaiah. How long... Oh, Lord. Just one said, how long for what, Isaiah? He says, how long? In the time, in the long, in the wait, prepare. Find something to do. Let's hear the, here's the thing. You never know what's going to happen. You can't know. But maybe our prayer should be, Lord, what do I need to prepare for? What beauty do you need me to see? In the midst of waiting for it, what would you like me to do? How do I mentally, emotionally prepare for what's next? I love that with Jesus. Because he's getting prepared for the cross. And he will not trade perceived value for what would be easy. He did all the work. I love what Jack did in that game. He came off the field later at a natural break, like halftime. I said, Come here, Jack. Nice goal. Kind of said it ambiguously, right? Ambig ambiguously. Because uh, I wanted to see his reaction, like what was his take. And I was right. He was like, yeah, whatever. It barely even hit it. And da, da, da. I'd say, Jack, uh, you need to understand something. One, in the stat book, no one will know. It looks like you hit a rocket. Two, you scored within the first two minutes of the game. Three, you had the game-winning goal. You put us ahead. But here's the most important thing that I want you to never forget. And I'm getting a little emotional because it's turned into a spiritual concept right now. You did all the work to get in the box and get into the right position. Everybody else moved the ball around, but you got yourself all the way up in there and got yourself into the right position at the right time so that you were there. You were available to score when it was time. Do that spiritually. Do that spiritually. Amen? Lord, thanks for this morning. Show us, Lord, to have longer sight, better foresight. And then, Lord, for the things that we can't see around the corner, help us to distrust, Lord. It's why you call it faith, belief, in the things not seen and an assurance of things hoped for. Pray, Lord, you would help us to see the beauty where others see waste. Pray, Lord, most of all, you would work on what we perceive as waste 
and show us the beauty in it. Prod us, Lord, poke us, drag us, push us into preparation. As I pray, Lord, that we would never trade perceived value for your legacy. Show us what that means for each of us, Lord. And Lord, thank you for this offering. For those of us who call you, Lord, and call the RBC your home, pray that you would bless this offering. And those for visiting or guests, just let the plate pass by. It's not for you. No guilt, no judgment. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We pray for Mexico. We pray for Mexico, Lord. We pray for your provision. For a great dinner Saturday night. For the travel, Lula, her daughter, Dennis. For, Lord, what we're going to get to hear from Dennis about what's going on down there and how we can be partners. And then, Lord, for us, for each of us to see how we're participating in it. From fully immersed, going on the trip, all the way to praying regularly. We thank you for all this, Lord, in your son Jesus' name. Amen.